0: welcome to the episcopal church of the holy communion thank you for joining us for this sermon you can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our facebook youtube and podcast channels consider hitting like or subscribe consider sharing this sermon with others it helps us to reach more people like you we are so thankful to those who support our ministry you can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, bear worthy, acceptable fruit to you, O God. Please be seated. So the horror just won't stop. Another tragic event, another act of genocidal violence from the tyrannical occupiers. Another random natural catastrophe. Innocent bystanders standing in the wrong place at the wrong time. So much to grieve. So much to fear. Galileans, worshipping, have been slaughtered. Their blood mixing with the blood of their sacrifices. Jerusalemites, 18 of them were crushed as a tower fell on them. People were talking, processing, maybe, the latest news with Jesus. And Jesus caught their tone. This thing we all do, when it's too much to bear, when our hearts are broken, the words come out. Why them, not me? And somewhere along the way, fear arises that it could happen to us, or in trying to find a way to bear the burden of our own pain and grief, we become judgmental of the victims. Didn't they know that tower was wobbly? When bad things happen, it's frightening and it hurts. So naturally, we want to know how to keep it from happening to us or how to make it go away, to find the cure, find the solution. What am I doing wrong? What are they doing wrong? What went wrong? The need to survive can cause us to develop a kind of narrative that makes us feel in control, especially when it all seems so out of control. Jesus caught this agenda in the people talking about these tragic events with him. He heard the truth of what was behind their questions. That what they really wanted to know was what the Galileans and the Jerusalemites had done wrong to have such terrible deaths. So that they could avoid the same fate. That's what we do when confronted with frightening, disturbing events that remind us how fragile life is, how painful life can be. Sometimes it becomes all about keeping God happy with us, assuming that being on the good side with God means a good life here on Earth that God's favor is a a car, a good report from the doctor from our annual physical. Uh, God's love means straight A's and a loving partner means no bombs, no earthquakes, no cancer. And repentance is about an antidote to end our pain and a cure for death. A righteous life is a comfortable, long life. Kate Bowler wrote a book titled Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I Have Loved. She wrote, there's a branch of Christianity that promises a cure for tragedy. It's called by many names, but nicknamed Prosperity Gospel. For its bold central claim that god will give you your heart's desires money in the bank a healthy body a thriving family and boundless happiness the prosperity gospel is a theodicy an explanation for the problem of evil the prosperity gospel looks like looks at the world as it is and promises a solution escape from poverty and failing health and bleak medical diagnoses, rescue for broken teenagers, or misfiring marriages. The prosperity gospel offers a modicum of power over the things that rips lives apart. Kate Bowler admitted in researching and writing about this branch of Christianity, She said, I would love to report that what I found was so foreign and terrible that I was warned away. But what I discovered is that no matter how many times I rolled my eyes at that creed's outrageous certainties, I craved them just the same. I had my own prosperity gospel, a flowering weed grown in with all the rest. The idea that hardships were only detours, that God had a worthy plan for my life, in which every step back would also be a step forward. After she was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, Kate had to confront her craving for certainty. Jesus heard those in his time seeking certainty with him. Assurance that they could have that modicum of control over your life through praying the right way, attending the temple regularly, following the law. Then, then you would be protected. Only sinners get killed. Only bad things happen to people not praying hard enough or in the right way, with the right words. But Jesus suggests another way, a truer way of understanding our place in this world. And I have to give a shout out to last week's Wednesday Guild meeting, because this story was brought to my attention, and I think this story best describes what this truer way looks like. Howard Thurman tells a story about his primary theological teacher, his grandmother. Howard Thurman's grandmother owned some land, and there was a white woman who lived next door and did not like the fact that this African-American woman owned land. And so she decided to get back at Thurman's grandmother and went to her chicken coop and got all the manure and dumped it on her land, upon her tomatoes, the greens, and everything she was growing to destroy it. Everything was destroyed that his grandmother had been growing. But his grandmother, she saw all this manure and started getting up each morning to mix it in the soil as fertilizer. Later, the white woman next door became very ill, and nobody came to see her because she wasn't just mean to African-Americans. She was mean to everybody. But Thurman's grandmother went next door and brought her some flowers. This now frail woman was shocked that this African-American woman, who she had been so cruel to, would come and see her. She was so deeply moved by this kindness. Thurman's grandmother placed the flowers next to the woman's bed. And the woman said, these are the most beautiful flowers. Where did you get them? Thurman's grandmother said, "'You helped me make them, "'because when you were dumping manure in my yard, "'I decided to plant roses.'" At the end of their questioning, Jesus tells his disciples a parable. Coincidentally, it's about manure. In the parable, a landowner comes upon a fig tree that is green, it's surviving, but it's not bearing fruit. Maybe Jesus, who in this Lenten journey to Jerusalem, is so frustrated with his disciples and others who just don't get it, that he might have had a mind to just cut the tree down. Instead, He comes back to himself, okay, and he says, how am I going to work with this? So he says, let me add some fertilizer, give me just a little longer, perhaps it will still bear fruit. And with this image, Jesus turns the focus from fear to fruitfulness and from surviving to thriving. So what about us? In this time, in this long history of human folly, when blood is again being spilled and natural disasters continue unabated, and closer to home, we continue to wound each other ever more creatively and even those closest to us, causes pain. When we just wish there was a way to avoid it all, how can we come back to ourselves? This is what our Linton journey offers us. To turn, come back to ourselves and say, Okay, I'm gonna ask the question, okay, how am I gonna work with all this?